Prescription products require completion of an online medication consultation with an independent healthcare provider through the LifeMD platform and are only available if prescribed. Subscription required. Individual results may vary. Additional restrictions apply. Read all warnings before using GLP-1s. Side effects may include a risk of thyroid C-cell tumors. Do not use GLP-1s if you or your family have a history of thyroid cancer. If you've struggled for years to lose weight and have given up hope, did you know you can now access GLP-1 prescription medications at TryLifeMD.com? We're now offering eligible patients online access to GLP-1s, the breakthrough prescription medication that can help you lose body fat and weight. Listen to what people are saying. It's fun to put on jeans that you couldn't get into six months ago. Every morning, I look forward to getting on the scale. For anybody who's struggling with their weight, it's a godsend. And here's the best part. Your insurance may cover 100% of the cost of your medication. So go to TryLifeMD.com to have your eligibility checked right now. Get started today at trylifemd.com. That's T-R-Y-L-I-F-E-M-D.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Have you seen smaller groups, like four to six? They come in. Um, usually what's happening is we're you know, really driven by the community, making friends, big tournament, big fun. We'll take smaller groups like that and we make bigger groups. Group them up, yeah. You know, and we really, that's, that's kind of great. I mean, that's honestly one of my favorite things about this business is the combined groups. Mm-hmm. So I think it's like a weird moment where we're not, like there's two groups that are just like, ah, we're weird, we don't know each other, and by the end, they're, they're best friends. They're hugging, they're changing phone numbers, they're leaving here, going to the bars after, they're like, oh, let's go down and have a beer on the street or something. getting out of your comfort zone. I do it in every step of the way. You're doing something, you're maybe throwing with new people, you're sharing this experience with everyone in the building, even down to the beers on tap. I mean, most of them, you know, some of them are, some are, some are crowd favorites, you know, like your EBC and stuff, but a lot of them are stuff that like people don't see everywhere. And it's just like, get in there, you know, the amount of times I get a guy that's like, I just want beer. It's like, what do you mean, man? Do you go out like? It's like, drink this. I got something better for you. And, and they're happy and excited about that, but they would never do that. But they've already kind of accepted going into the unknown. Yeah, you drove here knowing I'm gonna throw an ax at a piece of wood, yep. and then most likely meet a stranger. That's incredible. Yeah, I mean, you know, it's, 
think about all the most fond memories you have in your life, and most of them are based around shared experience with somebody. Yeah. And this is what we're doing. We're, we're facilitating a shared experience that you get to do with somebody else that's either close, friends of your family, or a perfect stranger. You know, I like going to the perfect stranger piece, one of my favorite ones is, is you see the bachelor bachelorette party. Because it's a, it's a group of two or three friend groups jammed together. And they're like, ah, I don't know, these are my, the work friends are over here, all my college buddies are over here. They don't know each other. And by the end of it, it's like they were all lifelong friends. And then I think that carries, you know, to the rest of the night, into the wedding, into the reception. It's like, because now you've bonded yourself with that group of guys yeah. or girls. Or both. Yeah, exactly. You know, you see, you, I mean, we've definitely had, you know, Jack and Jill's take the whole building up. I mean, there's, you know, we've done a couple things. One of the fun ones that I do sometimes will open up for the groomsmen on day of wedding stuff. So they're here at 11 in the morning, drinking some beer, throwing some axes while the ladies are getting ready, and then they go walk down to the church. Mm-hmm. You know, I, actually, the most recent one is actually my, my sister-in-law was getting married, and we were here drinking, running out, and we walked down to the church down the street, and, and it was fun. It was a fun way to start the day. Someone may look into that. Because that's a super good idea, especially because of where we are. Yeah. The whole location's prime. I mean, you mentioned weddings for groomsmen. You could buy cigars across the street, come here, have a couple beers, throw some axes, and then go get ready in the hotel room, do the getting ready shots, and then go to the wedding. And then you're best friends with everybody now because it's the most motivating thing in the world to throw an axe at a piece of wood. Like, we're on the set of Troy. <laughs> yeah, no, it's that's a great. I don't know. I've done it for. I've personally done it for two weddings. I've been involved with them, so it's easy to come here. But I've seen it happen a number of times, and it's just like it's, it's like a fun little weird thing that we'll do, and it's just that's really cool. Well, but we should sit down and then go through all of the history on how this whole thing started, because I'm sure legal and pulling permits and introducing this idea to the city of Buffalo is probably a really cool conversation, but also terrifying because it's the city and you don't know how they're going to respond to throwing an ax at a piece of wood with alcohol. It surprisingly, for the most part, wasn't as bad as you think. Um, but I think it's believing in it. And when, pe- when you believe in it and you can tell people about it, people believe in you. Right. You know, and that's, that's awesome. Yeah. And I think that's what's helped this all along is that they got it. Obviously... I had some liquor license issues with the SLA early on, um, but you know, rightfully so. Yeah. On paper, it sounds a lot worse than it is. In real life, when you're in, in this, you know, this basically surrounded cage, you're only in here with one other person, an instructor. Instructor, you have an instructor for your entire group, so your group basically have an instructor for an average of every 12 people, mm-hmm. and there's two more people working, so you have basically an employee for every eight people in the building. It's not hard to be controlled, and, and really overconsumption or rowdiness that happens at a bar, at least the drinking part, comes from boredom. Most of the time when you're pounding them back at a bar, it's because you have nothing better to do. Correct. You're so engaged in this activity, you're drinking, but it's not, the drinking is secondary. It's not why you're here. And, you know, like a lot of sports, there is diminishing returns. At some point, you're like, next sip is I'm going to lose. I'm not going to win because I now can't do it. So you, you, you're conscious of that. You know that moment where like, okay, I gotta, I gotta, so it does self-regulate a lot. And I think that keeps it, and it's really a short period of time. I mean, you're only here for a couple hours. It's, you gotta, you gotta put some work in. The system that is in place is 
perfectly streamlined where you took the good from every aspect, combined it, and then just like, bye-bye, have a good day. Go enjoy the rest of the theater district of Buffalo just because there's literally people waiting for you to leave their booth, so get out of the cage. Yeah. That's amazing. It's great. So it keeps seeing, it keeps seeing, it keeps seeing. But yeah, like I said, the SLA was a little bit weary. But I think once we proved to them, we were open for a year without our liquor license and they kind of kept a watchful eye on it. Did they? We were the first axe throwing place in the US. Here in Buffalo? Yeah. And what? that's huge news. Yeah, yeah, it was kind of kind of cool. I mean, it was like, I don't know, it's it's, it's weird to kind of see it change over the years and how much it has grown. Yeah. But yeah, we were, you know, it was, it was early on popularized in, in Toronto. Um, a gentleman up there literally started throwing axes in his backyard and all his friends came over and they kind of just started doing it. And then one day he said, I should open a bar. Probably, obviously, it made sense. With every, he was building these parties in his backyard every night. It's like, let's do something with this. He did this moment, and I was fortunate to experience that fairly early on in, in axe throwing as like a thing. And I was like, this is a, it has tons of opportunity. And I think Buffalo at the time is, you know, we're going back six years almost now. Five and it was five. It was five. We were officially open five years in September. So looking before that, it was like there wasn't much to do, particularly in the winters around here. It was fairly boring. Yeah, I mean, what, you can only shovel for so long, man. And I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't personally love anymore. I guess maybe it's just getting old. I don't know, but I think I don't think I actually really liked it. it. Was just sitting at a bar, just sitting and drinking. I always like, I was always the guy that's got to play pool, got to play darts, got to do something. I'm just maybe I'm fidgety, maybe I'm just like a little bit too, too amped up. I don't know, but I couldn't just do that. And I thought to myself, I can't be the only one. There's got to be people that just that, that are looking for more in their night than just drinking a beer. And having a burger. Perfect idea. You know, and, it, and it just sets you up for this level of what's the rest of the night going to be? Because now I've done this. Yeah. What's next? You know, you can't you can't end at this. You're amped up. You're, you're the adrenaline's going. It's like we got to go out now. You know, and I've been fortunate to kind of be down here on this on the 500 block of Maine while watching it kind of all come back. When we first moved in, we, there was nothing around here. This entire street was basically vacant. And I mean, they got Chow's open up, Fatty's opened up, Gray Lynn's down there now. It's, I mean, Big Ditch was, I think, opened up right before we did, but it was like, we were able to kind of like use that as an opportunity to like create a night out. Yeah. You know, whatever your cup of tea is and going out after, I mean, there's opportunities around. I mean, you can go down, you can go up, you can go over. There's, there's so much down here. So this was just a moment that you do. You go to dinner, you come here, you go out. And, yeah. and it was, it's been fun. It's been fun kind of being part of watching this area, particularly come back. You know, it's kind of just, it's, I always think of these moments of like, I'm building a place, like looking out in the street, just like, this didn't look like a great place out there. And now it's like at night you watch people walking by and there's groups of people who are like, this, is, this has changed. And it's kind of cool. Yeah, it's refreshing. It's nice to see a resurgence in Buffalo. us through the correct and proper way to a hold an axe but then b how to throw it so you're accurate and not hurting yourself and others a absolutely um you know really it's 
you know, first and foremost, obviously it's your grip. It's, you know, it's really, you want a strong, strong wrist. You're not flicking, you're gonna be releasing the strong wrist. So you overlap your hands a little bit here, and that's gonna be your guide. Your hands are guiding yourself now. You're gonna stabilize yourself so you're not getting wobbly. And really what you're doing is you're using your body, not your arms. It's gonna be creating this like tension to release here, let go, and follow through. And that's really it. You know, it gets a little, it's, I don't wanna make it seem like it's that simple, but it actually is. It's really, there's gonna be some nuances and we can figure those out as you throw, but for the most part, it's just get that movement down. Realize that you don't need to come in here. You don't need to throw it as hard as you possibly can. Just throw with a purpose and we'll figure out the rest along the way. That's great. tried to focus heavily on the silver lining of the situation and I think it was nice to an extent in this I was right before we shut down I was about to open two more locations so I had one and we were just about to open two more so we were kind of proactively building infrastructure for what we thought we would need for three locations hmm. and in reality I had no idea what I would need and there was this opportunity, I think, with kind of starting over where we were able to look back at all the lessons that were basically learned in running a business and fix them. I mean, willfully, most people aren't going to just like, I'm going to shut my business down a little bit, just overhaul, start over, rebuild. So in a kind of a weird way, it was... A reset. Yeah, it was an opportunity to say, hey, here we are. How do we come out of this bigger, better, and stronger? You know, what did we learn? What mistakes did we make? What what could have we done better? And, you know, we had to kind of have a slow build. You know, it, it was interesting for the first few three months because I was basically out there, you know, back in the bars. I'm working myself, getting the other bars opened up. It kind of reminded me of that little bit of year one building. And it was kind of fun in a way, because it was like, we're just kind of figuring this thing out. The rules kept changing every day, and we just kind of have having fun. And, but we were able to accelerate five years of, of growth into one year, so we could kind of do what we would need to be done quicker, but I've already kind of done it, and realized it wasn't right. You know, it's, it's, you, you try so hard to make the perfect scenario and what you think like, oh, we're gonna be ahead of it, we're gonna be so proactive. But the reality is you don't know anything. And I think that was the lesson that, <laughs> so I think that's the, the biggest lesson I've learned in business. I think where, I guess, you know, I feel that I've been most successful is just maintaining a certain level of agility. Like I'm just kind of like, I get what I do. And I get the main reason we're here, but the little bit of details, it's we're gonna kind of figure them out as they go and they're gonna change. And they're gonna change year over year and, and demands change, consumers change. And then all we have to do now is just kind of keep focusing on the goal. And the goal is, I say, you know, exceedingly good customer service or exceedingly good experience. You know, I think if we set the bar higher, then if we have an off day, still pretty damn good. <laughs> you know, and, and, and as, even as a, like a leader and has a team of people underneath me, I try to set it with this expectation where you have boundaries, but not necessarily rules. Because I want you to ultimately make what you feel is the best decision you can make to deliver the best experience for that customer at that time. Okay. Because it may change. Every group is different. Every person is different. 
and even even with the things and you know having instructors I have in Buffalo alone I have 30 instructors probably another 20 in, in Brooklyn where and they're all different the personalities are all different and I, and I embrace that I embrace their diversity their differences because that delivers exceptional events because they're authentically who they are out there they're having a genuine good time they know the boundaries stay within these and, and as you instruct more and you lead more groups, you realize that there's an art to it. You realize that what your group wants may be different. Mm. Uh, a, lot of, a lot of instructors have kind of figured out this thing where in their introduction, kind of setting the tone for it, they probe a couple things. They're trying to kind of get an idea of what event does this group want? Is this group here just to drink a ton? Is this group here to be competitive? And are they somewhere in between? What are they? Are they from a work collection? Are they from... You know, family, whatever. We can kind of then take that assumption and at least gear towards a direction. But then you kind of evolve as with it. So even in that two-hour thing, we're really attuned to trying to make sure that we're getting the event that you came here for right. and what you want. And then, then exceed that expectation. Because obviously there is a certain level of expectation that throwing axes and drinking beer is going to be fun. Mm -hmm. That's pretty much like a given. You know, I, I, I go back to this review that I got a long time ago, and it was like... I knew it would be fun. I didn't think it would be that much fun. And I kind of hold that one. I set that expectation to my team and my staff almost all the time. Is that like, how do we surprise people? Mm -hmm. Surprising and good is the expectation. Because they're, you can't, they're not going to like, they're not coming in here with like, well, maybe I'll have fun. I don't know. <laughs> you right. know, but let's, let's see if we can, we can push it past that to a level of fun that they may have forgotten. Remember a gentleman one time said, you know, he was like, I haven't done something new and fun in 40 years. And it was just like those moments like that where it's like, oh my God, that's really sad. <laughs> I mean, it kind of is. Yeah, it's, I guess when you think about it, but he's an older gentleman. But it's like you get stuck in these routines and this, in this, in your, in the rhythm of your life that you forget to go out and try to find new experiences. Sure. And that's in a way it's something that I feel like that we're able to offer a little bit is an opportunity for new experience. I love that. So welcome everybody. We are the Buffalo Happy Hour. Obviously, we're here with Hatchets and Hops right now. It's such an interesting business model, and we've been trying to get in touch, or like set this up for a while now. We've been in contact for a while, but uh, this is something that we both wanted to figure out because I didn't know where it started, and we were talking a little bit ago that you're the first place in the U.S., which no idea. So can you tell people how that whole thing started and what it was like bringing it here? Sure. I mean, you know, it was kind of early. <laughs> 2015-ish, um, and we're you know having this opportunity. We're up in Canada, and there was there was a place up there doing something similar, and it was like, okay, this is really cool. I saw this opportunity for the fun and the group, bringing people together, and we sat and thought about this that this could be something that we did. You know, the, on the basic high level of it, it's fairly simple. You know, it really is just put some wood on the walls, grab some axes, <laughs> right. pour some beers and we're going to have a good time. But as we evolved it and kind of grew into it, realizing that there is so much more potential in this. And then we just took that moment and said, what, like, how do, how does Buffalo, like, this, I guess, so it's like, basically we brought this idea here because, mm -hmm. of, you know, for long and short of it, in the winter in Buffalo, it's pretty boring. Absolutely. There's not much going on, and I think really something to be you know, be excited about like, you know, in the winter, what do you, you know, most of the weekends you go back to work on Monday and you're ready to do the weekend. Nothing really, you know, cause there's nothing going on, you know, maybe you're, if, you know, go skiing or something, but you know, it's still really nothing 
special. There's not stories you're telling. There's no. It's harder to get you know people together, particularly after football season ends. You know, different things. There's no reason to get together as a group. You know, when the holiday season is over, mm-hmm. it's just kind of like, what do you do? January, and it still February, snows March. for four more months here. Yeah. So we said, you know, this this is something that we can put together, and we can give this opportunity for people to get out of their comfort zone, do something new, do something exciting, create stories, create memories, share this experience, and then, you know, hopefully open up your mind in this idea that you can do more. Mm -hmm. You know, there is opportunities out there if you just start looking for them. Are you born and raised in Buffalo? Yes. No kidding. So what brought you to Toronto? Was it just a random weekend out with the guys, and then all of a sudden you just... I went up there for, it was a, a classmate of mine, um, I think it was, she, he was dating a girl that was that lived up there, and it was for her like I think her birthday or maybe her sister's birthday or something, and they just had the party at this mm. at this place, and I was like, this is really cool. Was that the first place, I guess, in Canada that like the first yes. place ever that had yes, this concept? Yes, that uh, This place up there was basically the first place that I know of that made you know urban axe throwing, if you will. Okay. Um, kind of that as being a thing. I mean, obviously, axe throwing's been around for a long time. I mean, it was you know historic, you know history goes really far back into the thing of the sport um kind of the americanized popularization of the sport was based around around the lumber industry and basically the guys would out of boredom throw axes at the trailers because all the wood oh, okay. stock stacked on that to the trailers and they would like kind of make bets with each other you know whatever sure drink some beers and throw some axes so it's kind of like you know it's always been this social thing and a little bit of competition here but you know bringing it to this urban level was that was the first thing done then trying to think when they opened up but did you have to talk to them or ask for their permission to do this here no it's just a business concept they didn't have axe throwing and beer is patented right yeah yeah nothing is really particularly like you know special about it Mm -hmm. like there's there's you know now there's hundreds of them you know because the concept is fairly simple but it's you know i think when you really understand that and you look deeper beyond it and realize the power that it actually has you can do a lot more there is way more to it than the surf um, than on the surface of sure. just throwing axes and drinking beer. You know, really it was probably you know a couple two years in or so when I really had that realization that, that, that I'm not in the axe throwing business. I'm in the experience mm-hmm. business. What I do is deliver these events. I mean, there's a lot of places out there that are throwing axes, and really all you're doing is going to a bar or more of like a garage, really, and throwing some axes at a wall, mm-hmm. left on your own throwing. What I'm trying to do here is is facilitate an experience that is centered around this idea of throwing axes, but it really is so much more. It's this having this person with you that's going to guide you through this entire experience. We've been teaching you how to throw, you know, and kind of bringing that competition out of you. Mm-hmm. It, it seems to be a part of all of us. Like we all have this comp- like competitive edge to us, where we come here and we're like, I have to do well. If I don't get a five, I'm out of here. Like, even you, when you just tried it, you were so mad the first couple because you missed. Shut up, Derek. (laughs) (laughs) So, for those that have never experienced a a hatchet and hops, I mean, it's so, there's real no way to, like, phrase this. If you're not in Buffalo and you're not in Toronto, chances are you have not experienced this ever. So, we have people that listen from all over the place. Can you explain, if someone brand new walks in the door, how this whole thing goes? Oh, I mean, yeah, I mean, they're, they're, they're luckily fortunate in a sense, I guess, you know, looking kind of now to the future and fast forwarding ahead, we, there's, there's probably a couple hundred nationwide. Really? They're, they're in, I mean, we have, a, there's, I think there's a couple more in Buffalo now at this point. 
Um, there's Rochester has them. There, I mean, I, I know of personally a few that are in Florida, Texas. I mean, they're all over. One of the big, bigger companies, a Canadian-based company, has has rapidly grown, and they, I think, alone they have 100 locations in the U.S. Mm. So it's you know it's kind of over the last few years has grown. I mean, we have that location in Brooklyn as well, and I think there's four others. But I mean, it's a big city, so it's there. But you know, and everyone's kind of doing their own thing, which is exciting. It's you know, I don't view it necessarily negative to have any competition. It's honestly kind of I like it because it kind of keeps me motivated. Mm-hmm. It keeps it's like you know we have to be more. You know, we can't just settle for the face value that throwing an axe is it's got to be more we have to deliver a better product and ensure to ensure that people come back Mm -hmm. i mean probably close to 80 percent of our business is from word of mouth Mm -hmm. reputation is strong i mean because it's because you have that thing you have such a good time that you want to share it with everybody that's awesome so do you have like half hour blocks like how does somebody figure out how to do this our typical base our typical base like basic event is two hours long. Okay. About it's ninety minutes, two hours, depending on the group of size for the most part. Um, and really, it's structured around you know there's a, there's a number of time slots throughout the day that you can kind of book on. Go to our website and you book. It's pretty easy to do that. And really, the hardest part for a lot of people seems to be getting the friends together. Yeah. You know, as you get older, it gets a little harder to organize a big group of people. But if you're able to do that, the bigger the group, the better. Sure. Um, we have the ability. You know, this this location in downtown. Um, take a group probably about fi- close to 50 um, and we've had groups that size um, our other locations I think their capacity is close to 80 Wow! and you know we can do it we can have groups that big I mean the groups get broken up into small groups and then the top two of each group go in to play and we, you know we build this thing all the way up it's like a little like big tournament because still no matter what size your group is somebody's got to win and somebody wants to leave it the right range you can't have two winners sure there's no such thing Correct. <laughs> so, but with that two hour event you're coming in here and, and you're really going to be fully immersed in the experience that we have. I mean, it's right down to the first, basically the first experience upon after you sign a waiver and you get yourself, you know, the, the, the legal side of things, you know, mm-hmm. out of the way. It's like, then the fun happens. Then we walk through the doors and we get right to the bar. Tell you to go to the bar, grab your first beer. Everyone's always like, can I drink? Do I have to wait till after? No, no, just, just jump right in, have a beer. You know, honestly, I prefer people to have one right away because it helps when they get in there that they're not, they're relaxed a little bit more. Sure. You know, they're not trying to worry a little bit. You know, sometimes a lot, one of the challenges that always becomes is f- pushing through people's tension. They're like, ah, I'm nervous. Or you're mm-hmm. just like, oh, I throw too hard. Or I, want, I throw too hard. I don't know. So get them that beer in their, in their, in their system a little bit. allows them to relax. And they, then the instructor brings everyone in. And, they're, and then it's off to the races. They're, they start with a bang. They come out, you know, this is what we're going to do. Mm-hmm. And then once we do that, this is how you're going to do it. And the next thing we know, we're like calling two people in. It's you two throwing. And we just rotate through everybody, give everyone a chance to learn a little bit. Once everyone kind of has a basic understanding of how to throw, then the real, the real fun happens. You know, we jump into a round robin tournament, working our way, really just for the most part, extended practice. Mm-hmm. We're just getting people kind of really comfortable with this. And once the round robin is there, and we, you know, take a small little break. We'll grab another, make sure we have another opportunity to get a beer. If you want to grab one along the way, you can. But you know, sometimes you don't want to necessarily leave that experience. So we we'll give you a little break to go freshen up if you need to. And then we're jumping right into a tournament. Nice. We'll use your round robin scores. We rank you into a bracket elimination tournament. You know, depending on the size of your group, it could be single or double elimination. But we're really ultimately trying to get out there and build that hype, build that competition right to that ultimate victory. That's awesome. It is super cool. And for those wondering, it's not a full size axe that you would like split logs with. Um, it's a hatchet. Yeah, but it's a good size hatchet because sometimes hatchets are 
way too small. And you're like, what am, what am I going to do? It's a, it's a pretty standard pound and a quarter Camp X. You know, you can really, it's nothing crazy about it. You know, it's accessible for everybody. You know, it's not too heavy, but it's heavy mm-hmm. enough. It's, you, you, you feel like you're throwing something. Yeah. But it's not so much that you can't throw it. Sure. Yeah, you're not going to hurt yourself. Because there's, I've seen photos on Instagram of some friends of mine that are not, you know, 6'2 to 220. And it looks like this massive axe. <laughs> I was like, that place is super intense, you know? And it, when you guys first opened, I was like, what is going on? Like, what is this place? And then as word spread, it's like, no, it's really, really cool to go in, throw an axe, have a beer, and then learn how to do it properly. Because before the interview, we talked about the legal aspect of it where the SLA was kind of hesitant in regards to whatever you want because they go, hold on, like, you already got you got beer or whatever, but how is this really going to work with throwing an axe? And then you mentioned um, sitting down with the city and going over the entire idea with them was not that bad just because passion sells and you understood what the vision was and you could articulate it in a way that everybody understood what was really occurring here, so it wasn't super scary. But what levels of government have had to get that brief of what was going to be installed basically did it like go up to the mayor no no um no i did did get mayoral support um upon getting our liquor license later on down the years but for the most part it was once you figured out once they figured out how to permit it that was the biggest challenge mm. is okay. what is it because sure. what there wasn't something like it in the books so what kind of permit do you get once we kind of got through that thing, I think for a long time we were kind of viewed very similarly to bowling alleys. That was kind of where they oh, fell okay. short, or they fell close to. Said this is what we're going to kind of consider you, because it really is. You know, it's because it, it has to do with a number of variables, with obviously capacity and, and square footage. That space isn't usable for like regular customers. Yeah, no. So it's similar to a bowling alley. You have a you have a large amount of square footage that isn't for traffic, but it is the, the activity itself. Mm. So kind of looking at that in a sense, and then, you know, being centered around the activity, you know, I always say like the bar kind of is, for the most part, more of like a concession stand sure. in a way. Um, and that was really when we realized, you know, early on, I think it was very heavily focused on being this axe throwing club, being this community based place around the activity. And the bar was just an accessory to it. And really true to the date, you know, the bar really isn't, what the business is based mm-hmm. upon. That is just an, an opportunity for us to enhance the experience and really showcase a lot of, um, you know, local breweries and stuff. I mean, we have a wonderful beer scene here, so it's just, it's it's a great opportunity to do that. Sure. So when you brought this idea from Toronto, what were they? What was their business called again? Um, the one that we was initially was Battle. It's B A T L. It's the Backyard okay. Axe Throwing League. Okay. And That's that was, sweet. That sounds super yeah. intense. It sounds like Game of Thrones us. I know. It's an but intense place. <laughs> did you have any ideas outside of Hatchinson Hops of what you wanted to call yourself? Or was it always going to be Hatchinson Hops? Oh, man. Coming up with names is always a, is always an interesting part. And I, I mean, I, could, I can't think of a... I don't even... At this point, it's been so long, I yeah. don't remember the list of names. I mean, I'm sure it was four pages long. You so, know, at some point, you're going through everything sure. you can think of and, and trying to find that moment where it doesn't lock you into something maybe you know it never really wanted to be super regionally specific mm-hmm. and always had the dreams that this could be something cool and we sure. could expand with it so you know i don't want to pigeon himself into buffalo something mm-hmm. city something whatever but it you know naming was kind of i don't know it's it's, it's a, it was a weird journey and you just you just talk a lot 
just, that's all you do is talk <laughs> a lot. You just, you just say a lot of names out loud and, and hope that one of them eventually works. Sure. You don't have a business partner, do you? I did when I started. Um, okay. But we, obviously through the growth of everything, we've kind of, you know, run our own ways. Mm-hmm. And, and that's it. So for the most part at this point, it's just kind of me doing it all. So at, at what point did you realize that you wanted to expand and go? Because you said that you have a place in Brooklyn. How is that Which, journey? Dude, we still haven't said, like, congrats, because that's yeah, huge. That's awesome. That's a really big deal. I'm pretty excited about that place. I mean, that was a, that was a kind of a, I think, part of, I guess, what, you know, makes the ability to be an entrepreneur is being a little bit or a lot of it crazy. I don't yeah. know. <laughs> yep. um, but I think that was that kind of moment. And, and, you know, I wanted to expand fairly early on. But it just, you know, I wasn't completely comfortable with everything to do that. Mm-hmm. Once I kind of, you know, finalized what the idea fully was and fully understood it, you know, it was like, okay, let's start looking, you know. And by that time, you know, popularity of Axe itself had started growing. So it, you know, the low-hanging fruit, your, your, your Pittsburghs, mm-hmm. your Rochesters, we're seeing places already open up. Gotcha. So I didn't particularly think that it made the most sense to go into a small, medium to small market and compete. Um, and, 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 and it took a little while and we kind of explored a number of options. And at, at one point, I think I was in Connecticut and I was like, let's just go, let's go score in New York City. Let's go, let's go look around. You know, we just kind of ran, ran, played around online for a little bit, found a location, not the location we're in, but found a location and, and set up a meeting. Let's go check it out. Yeah. And just kind of said, why not? We're already here. Mm-hmm. Took the train in, and we're walking around. And, and you know, that place wasn't right um, for a lot of reasons. So we just started wandering the neighborhood. Like, something's got to stand out. You know, I've always kind of been a big believer. And if you find the right place, that's what motivates you yeah. to do the work to put it in. Mm-hmm. It feels right. It's a very intangible. And we found a place, and it kind of started snowballing. It started being something that became exciting. It's in a, in a really, I, you know, I'm really excited about the location. I love the, the look of the location. It's right in um it's, in, it's actually directly across the street from brooklyn brewery oh cool so it's a fun little area down there there's a lot going on brooklyn That's bowls sick. right there and stuff so there's a there's it's definitely an a exciting area to be in um you know obviously it's not without its challenges being mm-hmm. in a city like that has a lot oh, more sure. um challenges and but you know it is definitely exciting we're still in infancy there i think i say officially we've only opened in march so it's still in the first few months I mean, yeah it was set to pre- open pre-pandemic but obviously yeah you know, we kind of had to put the stop on it and navigate that. But we got it open, moving along, and it's exciting, and, and we're, we're figuring that out. But, yeah, moving to Brooklyn was kind of that thing where I was like, I had that hard look at myself. And I said, in reality, aside from some obvious overhead costs with, like, rent and stuff, because it's just more expensive to live mm-hmm. there, for the most part, the same amount of effort to open a location and build out relatively speaking for the most part it's all going to be relative regardless of what city i'm going to go into so i may as well just go all the way in and just say sure that's the crazy part of me and it says you know hey let's just jump right in we're gonna figure it out and i'm excited i'm happy to do it it's you know i have a friend of mine that was that lived in brooklyn or lived in manhattan but you know probably for like 15 years so i spent a good chunk of my like late 20s going down there like monthly weekly sometimes just because it was like i had something to do jump on the, on, the, on the bus or the train and, just, and shoot down there for the weekend. And I always kind of had that, like, aspiration. Like, it'd be great to do something cool here. And just fortunate to be able to have that opportunity to have something and then kind of just jump in and hope for the best. Sure. Was there an axe throwing place in New York City? And yes. You're, okay. Yes. Yes. So we are, I think, officially the third one there. Gotcha. 
Um, I think there's five total now. Um, obviously, it's a big, big metro. Absolutely, area. I mean, yeah. It's, big market. You know, yeah, you can it can it can handle plenty. Sure. Mm-hmm. I think in the area that we're currently in, I think I remember something. You know, when I was doing some market research, it was something like in, in like five miles or, or like no two and a half square miles, the same population as Buffalo. Oh wow! Yeah, right. Like it, it's so it, it's possible. It's I don't know maybe the exact numbers yeah. offhand, but it's something like that. That it was it was staggering enough that you're like, oh, it's gonna it, it could happen. I mean, mm-hmm. there's still challenges to it because you know the the one challenge I didn't really realize initially was yes, there wasn't a lot of axe throwing, but there's a lot of things to do. Mm-hmm. The alternative, when I was here, there wasn't really much to do. That was still even early on in the brewery scene, so there was only a couple. So there really still wasn't much going on sure. here. There, there's a million new restaurants, a million great bars, a million things. And it's just like, so you're not, not necessarily compete. You're competing with a finite amount of time that people have. Mm-hmm. And that's what the challenge is, is trying to make people prioritize what you have to offer among all the other things they can do and sure. then get that message out you know there's definitely some challenges that we have that i've experienced with going from a single location to a multiple location business where infrastructurally just is different and, and you have to kind of navigate that and we're working through that and it's that's kind of fun though sure. you know it's, it's fun to have a new challenge like that that's something i would never have like expected yeah absolutely so the location we're in right now we're on main street what's the address of it uh, 505 main street did that were you walking down the street and it jumped out to you like you're talking about the place in Brooklyn or how was finding this spot? Because as you said, when we were talking over there, it, when you moved in, it was kind of not as vitalized as it is right now. So what made you choose this spot? I think I actually stumbled across this spot maybe online. Um, okay. I don't really remember. I think it was like LoopNet or something. Just kind of like poking around. I was, look, I was just open-minded, looking around. I was, you know, mixed the driving around, mixed things with a couple spaces. Ironically, looked at a space, and the space that I was almost close to doing, um, it, just, it would end up being a little bit larger than we needed, and that's why we didn't end up doing it, sure. is almost across the street from our location in, in, in Black Rock. Oh, okay. So it's kind of funny how it, like, I came back to that street later on in life. Yeah. Like, so it's a weird little thing, but yeah, we just, you know, when the space came, you know, we just saw the space, and I said, I mean, you know, the idea was pretty clear that we were never going to be somebody's entire night. So it was definitely kind of realization, like, let's get small, let's get a little more intimate, let's try to be p- part of the entertainment. You know, mm-hmm. I think it was, you know, shortly after Big Ditch opened up, and I think there was starting to s- see things coming around down here that we were, that this might be the same right, you know? I mean, because I mean, even if it's like a show or even if it's a Sabres game, there's things going on that you can kind of piggyback off of. Right. You know, I, it was right when I, there was word and, and it was all in the works of opening this block of the street up. So I'm like, that's going to be a moment where I think it's going to change things. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and then I think part of it was finding the location was exciting, but then the other more challenging part was finding a landlord that was okay with the idea. Right. Liability uh, and stuff. Very true. Just, they just, you know, some landlords don't know. Sure. They, they're, they're maybe very risk adverse or they want, they have an idea of what they want. And I was fortunate to the landlord here that he was just, he understood the vision. He thought it'd be cool. And he saw the opportunity mm-hmm. of what this could do in this area and took a chance on it. And I think it's paid off for him. Yeah. You know, I mean, it definitely is. I've seen this street substantially change over the five years that it seems like it helped. Yeah. That's wild. How does a business like this go about getting insurance? Is there like specific business insurance 
Because I'm sure there's people that have absolutely Nowadays, no idea how this works. Is, um, my insurance agent now, my broker basically, obviously, it's kind of he's kind of created his own little niche in um, answering. So he's kind oh, of now sweet. doing that because <laughs> it's grown enough. But you know, his background predominantly was in recreation facilities. Is um, it is it the same major insurance companies? Like, does Geico have business insurance? Not that I know of. I don't know. I don't. I'm, you know, the, the carriers that we have are they're definitely commercial carriers, and they're, they're geared around. Like I said, his background was heavily in, 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 in recreation services, so it's paintball, it's hockey gotcha. rinks, and stuff. But our first initial insurance, what we actually targeted was basically archery ranges gun ranges okay. people that are insuring people shooting guns and shooting bows probably are going to feel like this is not that bad that was the thought it. and that was kind of the angle that we went at and, and it worked out okay as I said it's now has grown a little bit and we've had some hiccups you know unfortunately most people have probably seen a number of videos online of axes flying by people's faces and I mean there's reasons that we don't not have to get into about what they did what it wasn't them what did wrong mm-hmm. it was what the the location or the business did wrong. There oh, is, there's more to it than just facilitating the event. I mean, equipment and structure and there's a lot. If you like, if you let people just kind of get wild out there, I mean, there is a, there's a human nature to push the limits. Yeah. And at some point, you're going, you know, the what is it, the, the dog will bite back yeah. kind yeah. of thing, you know. And do you ever get to that point when you're teaching somebody how to throw an axe where you're like, you're just you're not getting it. We got to pull you back. Generally, it's very, very rare that we that nobody ever sticks at all. Okay. Um, and it's usually, those aren't the people I generally worry about because they're not the ones causing danger. They just want, they just want to do it. Sure. Um, but fortunately, what we have is we have a good team of people here, even between the managers and the bartenders and everyone involved, that everyone knows how to throw well. And usually what works is, uh, let's say, bring a second set of eyes in. Mm-hmm. Just go over to the back. You know, the instructor will be like, hold on a second. You know, in the middle of their group or before their tournament when they have a small break, they'll talk to the bartender and be like, you know, I'm just having a, I'm having a thrower that is, is, is having a little bit of trouble. Can you take a look? Mm-hmm. And a lot of times that person's going to come in. They're going to say the exact same thing, but it, but it worked. Sure. You know, and I think that's mm. that. So usually I try pretty hard and feel like pretty successful that you at least stick one before you leave. Sure. Nobody leaves here and completely missing i mean it has happened i guess maybe somebody has but for the most part it doesn't you know we try really hard you try really hard to take as many of the variables out right like the way that you grip it the way that you throw it it's all to get a consistent end over end and you're just kind of working with how quickly the axe is flipping based off how far you stand right like there's no there's nobody that's spinning it no occasionally i mean some people you'll see you know some of your like softball players they'll bring it to the side a little bit or your basketball player will kind of like do a high flick <laughs> you know so some of those people you have to kind of correct you know back, back out their like muscle memory their competitiveness mm-hmm. you know that they're used to because it's like their default is like oh i'm just gonna load up on my shoulder it's like no that's not you got to do that but sure. for the most part it's you know by keeping a two-handed throw and keeping it where we're really engaged in the body and the movement it does lend itself to be fairly easily accessible and then correctable if you're having any issues. And a lot of those corrections are just position. Sure. You know, really just, you're, you're kind of just letting, you're guiding the ax to let physics do what it's supposed to do. It's, it's heavy on one side, light on the other side. It's going to rotate. 
which is such a fascinating business model. This is so interesting to me. So I'm pretty sure everybody that comes in here, when I came for the first time, I asked this question. When you came here, you asked this question. How often are you placing the boards? You know, there's five boards across the board, and I have this, I have a saying that's like weekly or daily, weekly, monthly. You know, in the pairing. Okay. Um, I don't know if that's actually true anymore, but you know, <laughs> it, it, it kind of thinks about that. And on a daily basis, depending on the level of throwing, I mean, the center board, if, especially if people are throwing well, is going to get worn out. Mm-hmm. That's a good thing. I mean, but there's a sweet spot. A little bit worn out, it's actually nice because it's softer. Sure. It accepts the X better. A fresh target sometimes could be challenging. You know, you got to throw a little harder. So there's a weird moment where it's like you want kind of worn out board, but then it just becomes a point where it's too too broken up that it doesn't hold anymore. Sure. But, you know, it's, it's a, the wood part of it is always a fascinating thing to me that I think a lot of people find fascination with it as well because of how ridiculous it is. The fact that never in my life I thought I would be aware and follow wood futures and the price <laughs> of lumber. I follow right. it very closely. <laughs> and it's like a weird piece of this business that's like, that's crazy. What, but it's, what wood are you using? Um, it's just, you know, white pine. It's, okay. nothing, it's nothing crazy. It's a two by eight white pine. Nothing fancy, but the but with lumber costs rising, yeah, the cost of cost of a target now is three times as much as it used to be. Sure, you know, and that's something we have to kind of think about, and, and that's where it's finding that moment where we're getting the actual proper life out of the board, but not to degrade the experience, right? Because you know it's expensive. So do you you have to go in to like not look at any pieces of wood that have knots in it or anything, right? Like you have to really make sure that that piece of wood will accept an axe or does yeah. that not matter just, no okay just let it ride, yeah. fun. <laughs> just know, let it ride. Some, sometimes the you know you get some knots and you get some things and it's, it's it's actually kind of a funny piece to it because it's you know i talk about it, it always it's always like a funny joke that always happens that it's it's never your fault it's the wood's fault mm-hmm. you know it's 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 sometimes it's like i i know i even do it sometimes i throw like oh the wood was bad or not it's just like <laughs> probably didn't but you know it's easy to blame <laughs> it's a good excuse yeah yeah and, and, and it's kind of funny and then it's just like but you know we've we've tried different different types of wood and stuff you want generally a softer wood mm-hmm. you know because it does you are throwing against the grain on or you're throwing with the grain that's how it allows it to stick easy because the axes aren't sharp yeah i mean you're not gonna cut yourself with i i noticed that that was the first thing i did was i checked out the blade and i was like well not as sharp as I thought it was going to be. No, it doesn't need to be because you're throwing with the grain of the wood. Yeah, it's soft enough wood. It's just going to the weight of it. It's going to push itself in there. And it, so, do you ever sharpen or no? Yeah, you know, I'll, I'll get a file out occasionally to get some burrs and, and you know things out of it. Sure. But, you know, it doesn't need to be sharpened. I don't bother sharpening. It. Right. You know, it's. I think it's an unnecessary liability to have a sharp axe, like too sharp. That's true. Um, at the same point, it's also not necessary. I think that's you know if that's if that's your problem. I think we gotta address. We gotta talk about something bigger. <laughs> yeah. you, know, you think the axe is too dull for you to stick, and it's. <laughs> Where do you source your wood? Um, we've actually most of our wood is we've kind of had a we've had a great relationship with uh, Lenco mm, over okay. the years, and, and they've been been wonderful to work with, and you know they they take care of us. They get us about good on wood, and you know they're cutting it for us, so we get it pre-cut and, and deliver it to the door. Um, How do you, do you lay everything out and then? spray targets and then just have like okay i need this section here and this and it's always the same target sprayed aspect um, no, like just the target itself how no, does that work we use it we use it just like a, a paint pen or a marker basically more or less and, and they actually have a circle jig that, that i've made mm. that allows me to make circles so you kind of you kind of set a marker in the center or like a little pin and then you use a circle jig to kind of create your oh, okay it's, yeah it's, it's, very, it's a fairly simple you know carpentry skill love it so the other aspect of it, your beer, do you rotate your taps? Are they like different specials every week? 
it definitely at some phases of the time we got a little crazy mm-hmm. with trying to constantly have new exciting beers on and and it's hard because there is just so much of it yeah um so it's it's definitely a delicate balance of like continually putting on new beers but also having stuff that people want to drink mm-hmm. um with you know having a, a fairly small tap list um we kind of decided this early on that basically each tap was going to be a type not necessarily a kind Okay. Or, not a, or not a brand. It's the type of beer. So this is your IPA, tie, your tap. This is your cider. This oh, is your cool. lager. Because realistically, what we're trying to do is have beers that you've never had before. Or maybe you have, but it's not your maybe your normal beer. Mm-hmm. Or for the most part, you know, a lot of people come in and they want their blue light. I don't want blue light. But I have a wonderful lager. Sure. You know, I've been fortunate to have relationships throughout the brewing world, and we've gotten great beer. Um, you know, I think even... The lager that we, you know, our, our big flagship lager right now is this, is this Hagen lager that's made by Pressure Drop, and that was something that Carl made right for us. And oh, we cool. kind of, we're really instrumental in this thing because this is a need we have because it's, you have a lot of people that come in and go, I just want beer, and I go, I got you, man, and this is it, <laughs> and this is that beer. It's a, and then, and it's an opportunity to get people that would never grab a different beer, sure. but I kind of make them to their benefit. They right. are able to get out of their comfort zone. But, you know, it's really the whole thing. The whole thing is built on this idea of trying something new. And I just can carry that right to the bar. That's sweet. Because, yeah, if you you know what type of beer you like. Like, I like IPAs. I like Sessions. I like Sours. Mm-hmm. And if there's something different on there that is a New England IPA that I've never had before, I'm obviously going to gravitate to that. Yeah. So it's a good way of you kind of forcing everyone's hand to be like, listen, try something, try something new. Mm-hmm. Do you normally try to stick local with your beer? Absolutely. Okay. It's all local. Cool. Um, even in Brooklyn, it's all local to there. Oh, cool. So it's got nice. kind of, you know, we try to really build those relationships with the breweries. I think it's a, it's a kind of a definitely a natural um, relationship there that we're able to have with the, with the breweries and us. And and we just kind of lean into that. I mean, it's exciting because we're able to do one of our, one of the things that I enjoy doing a lot is we get the brewers in here mm. and we'll do like a tap takeover, basically. Um, one of the features of the tap takeover that I always find super fun is we have a tournament. And, that, and the, the main goal of that tournament is you're competing against the brewers. Oh, and sweet. The staff. So it's like throw against them. You know, sometimes we'll do like little small stuff with the brewers and you win some swag and different things. But it's really just kind of a fun opportunity to meet the people that are making the beers mm-hmm. that you know of on a, on a different level. Sure. You know, it's, it's always fun to like go to the brewery and like, oh, they're going to show you the show you these big shiny tanks they got in the back. But it's I don't know. It's like they're in their element, but kind of bringing them out of their element kind of like it's, it's, it's exciting because yeah. you get to see who what kind of person they really are. I and love it, that. It's, it's fun. It's an I awesome know. idea. Yeah. It's really cool. So your tagline, I notice, is do cool shit. Where did that come from? What, what is your, what's the thought process behind uh, that? You know what? It's the, the origin of it is kind of interesting because I don't really know exactly where it came from. It just kind of happened one day. And, and, we, and we kind of, and I think in, even initially when it happened, I was kind of resistant towards it. Like, I don't know. I don't understand this. It doesn't make sense to me. But then, it, then it, there was a moment where it clicked. And I really understood what the idea was. And I realized that's kind of what's guided most of what we do here is this idea of doing cool shit. And it kind of goes into, you know, getting out of your comfort zone, trying something new, changing the way you look at your life, or like at least your routine, and challenge that. Look for new opportunities. Look for what, I don't know, you can't, I feel like you can't come here. You can't have the time of your life this weekend 
and then go back to doing nothing next weekend. Right. Like you can't. You can't, just, you can't. I mean, maybe you do, but it's really. But it's going to itch to you. It's going to be that that moment where you, you think about that thing, and now you're going to seek that adventure. Mm-hmm. And that adventure is bigger than us. It's it's you in your life looking this idea to open your mind, seek other cool shit to do. Do sure. You know, start looking around like, hey, what are I wonder what else cool shit I can go do. I wonder what else is out there now. You know, maybe it's the rope climb. Yeah, there, there there are a million things you can do, and some you know that it, it doesn't matter. It's just get out of your routine you did it now stay there once you got out don't yeah. go back was that something that's always been ingrained in you as a person like as an individual yeah i'm always seeking new experiences i'm always kind of seeking this opportunity to just push myself to either do new things or be better at things and stuff and just kind of be excited and have fun you know i think you know it's always that thing when you know everyone opens a business and this idea of like oh i'm just gonna do this one have a lot of fun and really, that was the, one of the areas of this, like, you know, trying to build a brand with a little bit of anchoring into a lifestyle behind it. You know, it's, it's hard to it's truly build a true ultimate lifestyle brand. But having this thing where, you know, it's an outdoorsy, it's adventure, it's thing. And it's not, I'm not like a lumberjack, you know, or anything like that. But it's like, I just go out and try to find things. Yeah. I definitely wish I had more time to do it. You know, it's 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 the it's the trick they tell you about when you open business. You think you're gonna have all this more time, but you actually have less time. Yep. You know, it's like, oh if I work for myself, I'm gonna have all this free time. It's like no, you actually have less. <laughs> yep. You know, it's 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 a different schedule. It's not a nine to five. It's not st- structured in a box, which is good, but it doesn't leave you. Sure. You know, it's the first thing I, I think about when I wake up and the last thing I think about before I go to bed. Mm-hmm. Sometimes in the middle of the night I wake up and think about it. Right. Because it's just but it's a, that's a fun thing. It's fun to think about what we could do. Mm-hmm. What's on your, not to cut you off, but to cut you off, what else is on your bucket list in regards to the things that you haven't done yet? Like, have you skydived? Have you bungee jumped? Have you hiked a, a certain number of peaks that you wanted to? Have you done the entire Appalachian Trail by yourself with a hatchet? No. I honestly don't, I, I sadly don't do that much fun stuff, I guess, anymore. Um, I think the most exciting thing that I've done in a long time was last summer, Miranda summer, last fall, well, so it's like a winter, almost a year ago now, we, I did, um, my buddy did a, 650 mile bike ride across New England. Oh, cool. So, six days we rode, we rode was over 600 miles or so. How'd your ass feel? It didn't. I, I yep. lost the okay, <laughs> but it was gone. It was Good gone. Yeah. It fell off. I lost it about halfway through and I never, never looked back. So, that's, <laughs> that's what, 100 miles a day? About, yeah. Um, is, that your, is that your hobby, is cycling? Um, it used to be. That used to be what I was really into. Um, it, it, takes, it takes a lot of time. It's um, exhausting. So it, yes. It's fun. The, I, I really enjoyed I kind of, I used to race a little bit. I used to be a little more competitive with it because I kind of like that competition side. But now I kind of like the adventure side of it. I've enjoyed this like multi-day trips. I don't ride as much, but when I do, I ride bigger, mm-hmm. I think. Um, you know, it's kind of like the, the camaraderie, the bonding, the sharing experiences. That's what I kind of look for. You know, it's like going on a big through hike or doing something kind of exciting like that. How do you specifically regarding that which has literally nothing to do with hatchet and hops but we're going full send when you plan those routes are you going hotel to hotel or do you have like satchels and then a bag that's got like a hammock or something else and you're just full I'm, not roughing that, it? I'm not that crazy yet um it's definitely i want to get there i want to get to the point where i can you know self-sustain an entire like trip but we were we were treating ourselves a little bit with some hotels yeah. and, and a fresh shower and washing your gear. But I still had to carry a lot of stuff because, I mean, you wake up in the morning and it was, we went in September, end of September, and it was 30 degrees in the morning and it's 70 degrees in the afternoon. So you're, you're still doing a lot and you got to carry a lot of food to ride that long. But, it, you know, you break it up into, we basically rode for about eight hours a day, two, four hour blocks, give or take. 
stop and have lunch and it was fun though you know it was we were supposed to do another one this year it just things didn't happen sure. they were going to do uh the goal this year was uh montauk to buffalo so we're going to do oh cool state yeah so that'd be sweet maybe next year um <laughs> that'll be a long ride it's a lot of training yeah, yeah, I didn't. I didn't do it nearly as much fitness as I should have had. But you know, <laughs> at, at some point, you just kind of the adrenaline just kicks in. And just like I'm just doing this, and sure. I don't even care. Yeah, I, I feel like your second mile into like an actual highway, you're like, what am I gonna do? Like we're out here, you know? Like you can't stop. No, it's like you have you have yeah, to know like, where you have to be, and yeah. you have. You know. There's no way else to get there. Yeah. You know, you can't hitchhike. It's like, can I throw my bike in the back? You know, it's like not forty year old virgin all over again. <laughs> yeah. It's wild. That's really cool. So what's next for Hatchets and Hops? Well, what are you, or are you just kind of trying to grasp everything that you have right now? I think, you know, they're still, they're still kind of figuring out this multi-location piece to mm-hmm. it. Um, you know, there is mm-hmm. a couple little areas that we're working on. Um, you know, we had, uh, we have a, a mobile target. Um, oh, cool. That we basically set up wherever. You know, if you, you basically rent it and we come to your house or your party or your company and we set up and we throw access, we throw the same event that we have here just on site. Or on oh, your that's site. sweet. First Line just did that. Yep. yep oh, that was with you guys? Yep. Okay, yeah. cool. Yep, and that, that's actually first the product that First Line had or the experience that they had there is something that I'm actually, we, we were piloting with them and that's basically going to be the goal for next summer is this, we call it the moving target. And it's basically, I want to bring, because typically in the past, the Axe Wagon, the mobile target was was more of a carnival style. We would show up somewhere and you pay a couple bucks, you throw a couple axes mm-hmm. and you're on your way. Unless you specifically rented it for your party, it was more of just this like thing. Sure. But with the moving target idea, what we're trying to do here is take our two hour event, take our event here that we're proud of and we're excited about, but really what we're great at mm-hmm. and bring it to you. So going out to the breweries, um, restaurants, other, other areas that are kind of far enough away from us to where people in those communities don't probably really want to drive downtown sure you know we did it we did it at first line and we did it at um brickyard oh and then yeah, we've done yeah. it at 42 north so it's like like kind of those you know perimeter mm-hmm. venues because it's like if you live in lewiston you don't want to drive downtown sure so i'm going to bring the event to you and i'm going to and you're, and, you're, and you're going to do the same thing you're going to go online and you're going to book this event you know, and it's going to be there. We're, we're trying to lock in kind of in the first quarter. We'll ha- we're hoping to have all the dates locked in for the whole summer next year. And they'll be just doing that all summer. It's just, it's going to be less about when you want to throw, which is kind of currently how it is yep. now. You go on, like, I want to throw on Saturday. Go book a time. This will be like, where do you want to throw? Yeah. So now it's, hey, where, where, when are they going to be near me? Sure. So you're going to go on there. I and mean, if we have the entire calendar built out for the summer, you could say, hey, I, you know, when are they going to be at 42 North? Oh, they're this week or this week. I can do this week. Great. Let's get a party together. They're coming here. We can do that because we don't have to go downtown now. That's awesome. That's so really I'm, good I'm idea. pretty excited about that. It's it's definitely a, some challenges. You know, did, kind did of. Did that just start this year? Yeah, yeah, we we basically piloted a couple opportunities at the end of the summer. Just as like it's, it's an idea that just kind of came up on how to take what we had. We had the mobile target for a couple of years, mm-hmm. and we've been you know kind of doing that. And people rent for their priorities. We do some stuff with universities. We've done different events with you know corporates and stuff. But we're like, how do we do more with it? And this this kind of idea came from that. It's like. Well, you know, I think there is this, you know, we're kind of, after doing this for five years now, you know, I think I looked the other day, I think I've had 65,000 throwers, I think. Wow. So it's like, well, how do we get to more people? Mm-hmm. You know, because there are people that, that have not done this or have not 
for whatever reason, come out here. Mm -hmm. And you know, one of those things that is definitely an area when we address, like we're trying to figure out what that is, is location. Mm -hmm. You know, and I don't necessarily know if I want to open up a location in Orchard Park. Right. But it doesn't mean I can't serve that community. That's a really good idea because a lot of people in the surrounding areas think of a trip to Buffalo as like a trip. Mm -hmm. Like this is the big city that I'm going to. But yeah, if they have if you have something at first line that they normally regularly go to because they love their beer, you're just bringing it to them. It's such a good idea. Yeah, it's, and it's it's great to have these relationships with the breweries, and, and it's, it's seemingly they're most most of them are excited about it. Yeah. And I'm excited that they're excited, obviously, because it is a partnership. When we when we're going there, it's it, part of it is their sell. You know, they have to kind of help us. Mm -hmm. You know, they have to tell their patrons that we're coming next week. You know, we're going to promote it, but I, we, you know, the ask that we have is that they kind of also sure. put a little bit in. But really, it's going to bring a couple hundred people to their place for that weekend because we're, you know, the idea is to set it up basically Thursday and carry ourselves to Sunday. So oh, we'll be okay, there for four cool. days. So we have like basically a, we set up a semi-permanent residency for that weekend. We're going to live here for the weekend. So you can kind of come and you can book something. And even if you see it on Thursday, like you can come back on Sunday because I didn't get a chance to book it today. Maybe sure. I have my friends together. Come back boat or, you know, with that calendar being built out, well, I'm not going to be able to do it this weekend. I, I was there drinking. I saw them. But when are you guys here next? Oh, we're here next in, in a month. Sure. So I can do that. So it's, That's awesome. It should be fun. I'm, I think it's it's an, another opportunity to just get it out there and show show people. And mm -hmm. like I said, it's really fun to work with our friends at the breweries and stuff because it's kind of in a weird way I've kind of found myself like you know I'm like one of those weird, weird people that doesn't really fit in anywhere you know because we're, we're not a restaurant mm -hmm. not a brewery not really a bar kind of somewhere in the middle sure. so I'm able to find kind of friends along the way that are like in those areas but we don't really fit breweries seem to be the ones that we find closest to because we sell beer yeah right. so it kind of like it's a natural relationship yeah and, you know and build that and let's, let's let's work together and kind of have opportunities and you know they're always looking for new things to program at their at their, mm -hmm. at their spaces, and we're looking to get in front of people. So it's just, it, it, it's a it's a good match. Yeah, that's awesome. So to book an event, whether it's here or one of your mobile sites next year, you go to your website. What's your website? Hatchesandhops.com. Okay, and then all your social media is Hatches and Hops. Nice, nice, super easy. easy. Yep. And or the ampersand. And spell that. Okay. Cool. Awesome. Yeah, a couple things I think like you can't use the ampersand, so I just have yeah, there you yeah, go. Yeah. But yeah, it's all spelled <laughs> out. It's, you know, for the most part, it's, it's not super difficult to find. Cool. Um, fortunately. Um, but, you know, and you get on there and we're in the middle of overhauling the website. That's very exciting. Kind of, you know, it took that opportunity, the five-year anniversary, said this is a good chance to kind of refresh some things. Mm -hmm. You know, we're trying to, like I said, clean up the infrastructure for multiple locations. So it's just also a chance to, it all kind of happened at the same time where I said, this is the moment. Let's, let's refresh that. So I'm excited for a new website launch shortly. Um, nice. You know, Congrats. Yeah. So and then it's, so it's but it's pretty easy to get on there. It's yeah. Just basically go on big big button that says book now. Just click it and, sit and pick where you want to book and you book. You know, try to keep it as simple as possible. Yeah, it's so down to earth. The whole process through and through is really simple and streamlined. So if someone's watching this and they're not sure if they can do it, what do you tell them? Or what I would have you tell seen seventy-five-year-old women do it. I have seen and everyone do it. Like there, there is nobody I have not seen. It's we're here to take care of you. Sure. We're here to make sure you have a good time, and that's really our priority. And you're gonna have a good time. That's like, awesome. You know, it's it's really like I don't know. It's 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 our goal. It's mm -hmm. it's what we come in and we wake up doing, and the whole team thinks about every day is how do we make sure people have a great time. Cool. 
Well, everybody, this has been Hatches and Hops. We greatly appreciate your time, man. This no, was no, awesome no. to come sit Maybe down and got, talk got with you. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's such a sweet business model. If you haven't done it, just come down and do it. Or next year, figure out if they're coming to a brewery near you and go hit them up there. So thank you so much, man. We really appreciate you. your time. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Coriant. Coriant provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Coriant has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Coriant has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Coriant has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Coriant's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.